Welcome to the Writer's Rough Draft Podcast, where I climb behind the glamorous book launch world of successful writers and entrepreneurs and into the mind of folks like you who are just getting their start. Equal parts, witty writing information, and unabashed content curiosity, with a healthy dose of laughter thrown in, my conversations with these pros share some of the trials, tips, and techniques that others have used to help you build your writing and content and establish you as a leader in your field. I'm your host, Alyssa Doucette, and I'm here to talk about all that and have some fun with Sam Davidson today. You can find the links, resources, and transcript of our chat on the website at craftyourcontent.com slash episode 15. Sam Davidson is an entrepreneur, speaker, author, writer, and all-around massive proponent of changing the world by being a leader and standing up for the things you believe in. He started his first company, Cool People Care, in 2006 after a short stint in the nonprofit world, taught him he loves helping others but hates working for them. He's gone on to found three companies since, most recently Batch and Onward, and often consults with companies and organizations to get their start and reach out to younger generations. The author of the books New Day Revolution, 50 Things Your Life Do Not Need, and Simplify Your Life, Sam is an authority on focusing on what matters and doing something big with it. A frequent speaker at nonprofit events, business conferences, and college campuses across the nation, he loves inspiring the thoughts of today through the generations of tomorrow. Speaking of inspiration, in addition to his own blogging and article work, you can subscribe to his short daily dose emails, a quick and thought-provoking way to start each and every day. Thank you so much for taking time from all of that to chat with me today, Sam. Is there anything I missed? I think you got it. I think that that sounded good to me. Uh, you know, I, I, learned, I learned a few things about myself I'd forgotten. So that was a very good <laughs> intro. Thank you. I think every single episode, people are like, wow, really? I did that? Or really? Like, <laughs> I started Cool People Care in 2006? Shoot, that was a long time ago. That's right. Exactly. Getting back to 2006, you were working in nonprofits doing like strategy and marketing stuff. How did you get, jump from that to, I should launch an online merchandising business for nonprofit organizations? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's sort of like that. Uh, it was very <laughs> accidental. I mean, I went to college not planning to go into the business world, not even cluing in to the world of entrepreneurship. It was something that never was really on my radar. And that was not the plan. And, you know, when I got out of college, needed a job. So I actually worked in hotel management for a few years, then in the nonprofit world. And I really loved that. And that's where I wanted to be to feel like my career had some sort of meaning behind it. Uh, but while I was there, a couple things happened. One, I met a really good friend, someone who became a good friend named Stephen Mosley. And then the second thing is we were working in the nonprofit sector at, during this time when the first, some of the first millennials were graduating college. And they, this generation obviously has had a lot of volunteer opportunities programmed for them. So they were graduating, getting out into, quote, the real world and looking still for these opportunities, but not being able to find them quite so easily because the second trend that we saw was that all of these nonprofit organizations were starting to struggle understanding this new wave of social media and communication. So again, back in 2006, that's that's the dark ages online because that's <laughs> pre-Twitter. Right. YouTube was brand new. Facebook was just for college students. You were just fighting it out with the dinosaurs and like AOL forums. And MySpace. Like MySpace was oh, awesome. Like that's what you wanted. <laughs> And so, 
uh, Stephen and I had a great chat one day where we just said, look, is there a way that we can connect these these people, these under 30s who are looking for ways to make a difference with these organizations that we know from experience want to reach them? And how do we do that? And so that's why we set out to create a place online to build a brand around it that would be attractive to people. And when those groups came together, then they could go off into the world and, and do some good. And over the last eight years now, a lot has changed, obviously, in the online space. But for us, the brand is still held true and been consistent. And so now the bulk of what we do is, as you mentioned, leverage our brand to raise money and awareness for various causes all around the world. And one of the first ways that you kind of really started, as I recall, going back with you into those, you know, MySpace days, <laughs> was you were really big into um, blogging and writing on social media networks as they started popping up and really starting to grasp that online literary, I guess, marketing tool that so many people were kind of struggling with. Yeah, and for me, it was something that I've always enjoyed writing, and so that was even though I didn't know I was going to be an entrepreneur um, or you know in the in the business world, so to speak, I've always enjoyed writing, even since I was very young. And just, however, only assumed again because of of growing up that okay, if you're going to be a writer, well, you can write for a newspaper, you can write a book, I guess, you could be a poet. Um, and that was sort of it. But then, yeah, as these new tools became available, so I started blogging in the fall of 2004 is when I started blogging. So that's 10 years now. Hey, t- right now, 10, 10 years, let's have a party. <laughs> Happy anniversary. Well, yay. <laughs> um, and so hey, that, that was just a way to share an opinion. And I wrote uh, what interests me a lot at the time was really the intersection of faith or religion and, and society and, and mainstream culture. So I wrote about that regularly. And then as these tools became even easier, I started just talking about my own life or work or the companies I, I was starting eventually or anything else I was working on or my family. And it all creeped into that. And it became really this great discipline that I enjoyed and because the tools were there and they continue to be there, even though they take different forms. So that was it was, yeah, something I've always sought out because for me, it was a personal outlet. But then, yeah, 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 there are, of course, all of these other benefits, whether that's marketing or growing your brand or reaching an audience. So there's, there's all of these things that they can be used for, which, which is great to see. You just said the magic word there, which I think a lot of us struggle with at the beginning. And that was, you said, it was building the discipline of doing this on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Now, you kind of were able to start building some of those routines and disciplines before you started your first business. But do you do you remember way back when, in 2006, <laughs> how you were able to balance your time between working a full-time job and then transitioning into starting a company and getting writing done. And I believe New Day Revolution, you were starting work on that not too long afterwards. Yeah. And so I've, I've always been, for whatever reason, good or bad, I've always been someone who has, you know, prided himself, I guess, on discipline or routine. Uh, I like that. I'm not afraid to break that when needed. And I'm, I'll showcase a way that uh, that's true in a second here. But uh, yeah, so that's that's always been a part of my life, no matter whether it was training for high school athletics, if it was studying for an exam, understanding that that sometimes creativity and discipline really go hand in hand to actually get something done. And so I've always been disciplined, uh, I believe. Now, where that comes into writing or starting a company or showing up for your 40-hour-a-week job is really in determining those priorities and understanding how those relate one to another. When I was working at a hotel, blogging, writing for me creatively was an outlet. 
because of the work I was doing in the hotel. I was fine at it. I, I enjoyed it. I liked it, but it wasn't, it wasn't my passion. And, and at the time, comparatively, writing was. And so whenever I had downtime or days when I got off early, I would just go home and write. Uh, I was using Blogger, I think, before you could even like schedule posts. So if you wrote oh, yeah. it, like, you had to publish it. It didn't matter if it was four in the afternoon. There's no, none of this optim, you know, uh, uh, most optimal times. It was just like, if you write this thing at 2.30, that's what time it's getting published. Even if the world is asleep, you're out of luck. Uh, so it, part of it was, it was understanding that. So like, Hey, if you want, if you're going to try to figure it out that you want to write and be in people's inboxes at, at six 30 in the morning, then that means you got to get up at six and start writing. So, so that's how a lot of that has shaped me and still guides me today in both my writing work. If I'm just writing to share an idea with those who read what I put out there or leading those who are part of my team. When you were doing that kind of stuff, were you writing everything off the cuff or did you write some stuff kind of obviously not being able to save draft or anything in the the ever popular blog spot format, (laughs) but you know, like Microsoft Word or something kind of work on big projects that you wanted to think on a little bit more? Oh, absolutely. And when I first started blogging, this, I don't know if this technically predated Blogspot, but a friend of mine actually essentially built me a website and it had its own CMS, uh, but you couldn't, I want to say you couldn't even hyperlink anything. Like it was, <laughs> I know, it's like, what do you just print it? Just print it out and mail it to people. You you had to like get the dancing unicorn to go through yes. the sparkles yeah, to you get got to it. What? You got it. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, because I, part of me was like, you know what? Um, maybe maybe I do want to be uh, a columnist or a journalist or something. So let me write these 750 word, these thousand word deeper pieces. And so, yeah, I would proofread. I remember my, my, I would write it. My wife would read it over before I would type it or before I would publish it online. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely had a discipline to that. And that wasn't the frequency was probably every week, every other week. But I was very deliberate about that. And then as time passed and, you know, you had the ability to share more stuff more frequently you're you didn't worry as much about that i'm still i'm still a stickler for grammar and punctuation and proper spelling and capitalization so i still always proofread even after it publishes i still proofread that's when i do my best proofreading is after it's published and i'm like i know after you call somebody a name you're like wait a minute (laughs) i didn't even spell idiot right come on now i know Kind of fast forwarding again to that book that um, we just talked about, or I referenced, I should say, uh, New Day Revolution. You published that through Press in Nashville, correct? Correct, yeah. So, And that came through an opportunity that after Cool People Care launched and grew very quickly, which we were thankful for, and got some attention locally, regionally, and a little beyond that, we had a chance, uh, just a friend of a friend who was starting a publishing company, was looking for titles. And we connected and said, hey, here's, yeah, look, we, we've been writing. I mean, part of Cool People Care's allure and strategy early on was through daily content and showcasing these little, little bite-sized things you could do that made, made a world of difference. So we had a whole collection of these, and we said, look, you could do kind of like a little page-a-day book, and it's full of tips for volunteering. Maybe you do some interviews. Maybe we organize it a little bit differently than, than the page-a-day format. And so very collaborative process, somebody who had been in the publishing world for a long time, and a year later, in 07, we, we, we put that book out 
And so that was our first book. And it had, was just this, this really this field manual for anybody who wanted to make a difference in their life. And that was exciting because it was one of those things that, hey, yeah, years earlier when I started blogging, started writing, I wanted to do a book in, in some kind of format. And that was, again, before self-publishing really became as democratic and as easy and, and as lucrative as it has now. And we were excited about that. So, yeah, we got to put it out there. I got nation, some nationwide distribution in Barnes & Noble. It doesn't mean it's sold nationwide <laughs> by any means. But it, but was, it was on there. the shelves. It was on a shelf. It was on a table for the month of January 2008. I remember that. <laughs> so, yeah, it was exciting. It was exciting to be a part of that. And it was Oh, you know, it was fulfilling, it was gratifying, and all those great things. And you learn through that process how to write a book, which I'm sure is different for everybody. But for us and, and what we wanted to accomplish there, we're really proud of that. You mentioned self-publishing and kind of the explosion that's happened. And one thing that I love about Cool People Care and New Day Revolution is before the world of self-publishing and Amazon Kindle popped up, you figured out that creating this book I'm assuming that it, it drove a fair amount of interest back to Cool People Care on top of what you already had. Oh, it did, yeah, and and, and vice versa. I mean, all of these touch points for us as a brand, and now uh, now that, that Cool People Care, our main focus is through our line of T-shirts that raise money for different causes. People may encounter us for the first time on a clothing rack in a gift shop in North Carolina. And they've never heard of us, but they see a shirt, they're drawn to it, they buy it, they read the tag, they learn about us. And the book can be the same way. There's all of those touch points. And we see that online where the front door to your website could be your Twitter account. It could be someone else's mention of you. And so, yeah, the book extended that for sure. Since New Day Revolution, obviously you continued blogging and doing all that stuff. You have, fortunately, as all of us have, moved off of Blogspot and onto new magical platforms and empires. But you've published a couple books since then on doing kind of similar things, really changing the world through making very small and simple adjustments. Yeah, the, the next two books I had the chance to write, one was in 2010 and then one a year later, was with another publishing house called Turner Publishing, and they have a whole line of titles. And again, got to meet them and just sort of talked about some other ideas, other things that I had been chasing as Google Care was growing. And I was getting a chance to speak more and, and do several different things. And again, a very collaborative process with my publisher that time and talking about, look, here's some of the things that matter to me. And looking at this idea of simplicity, not in the context of minimalism. I think that, that that can be different or a discipline of or a take on simplicity, but Really saying, look, things in your life can, can be simple without being a minimalist or you can be simple and still be busy. And understanding, though, for me, what that means is focusing on those things, those opportunities, those people, those processes that matter the most and then getting the most out of those. I think when we become stressed, I think when we become distracted is when we focus or spend too much time on the wrong thing. And that's what we don't want, no matter if we're a CEO or an entrepreneur or climbing a ladder. What we don't want is that sort of distraction from what we really want to accomplish, what really matters deep within. You spent a good decade really creating a very solid body of work behind you that included a lot of being the first to say things um, in large part because you were the first one on the scene to be able to say <laughs> things, but also saying them in a really simple way that drove into people's understanding and top of mind awareness about entrepreneurship and nonprofits and caring in the world. How do you think all of that 
impacted you being able to launch all the businesses you've launched since then and really building this brand that, you know, takes you all over the country speaking in at college campuses and conferences and nonprofit seminars? You know, part of that goes back to that, not just the discipline question, but what discipline yields, which I think is consistency, that if people can expect something from you, not necessarily that you're always going to say the same thing, because I think if you change your mind, that's okay. I think if you form, form an opinion or, or morph that, that's, that's fine. But that people can know consistency, some of that relates to frequency. So oh yeah, this guy writes every day, or he writes twice a week, or every Monday and every Friday, I get these longer form. People can know to expect that. I think consistency and quality matters. So people know uh, that if they're reading you, you're not just cranking out 20 words, 100 words, 2000 words, just to do it, but that there's some thought behind this, there's some maybe some hard questions behind it. And so I think developing that consistency has helped me time and again so that when I do have a new idea or me and some co-founders, some friends come up with a new idea, that those that we try to sell that to first, and usually that's our spouses, <laughs> and then it can be obviously customers or if the opportunity is there, investors or eventually employees or whoever that may be, that, that folks can look at that. I, I never understood because when I started Google Care, it was my first company. But now that batch, my newest one, fastest growing that we've done things like raise investment capital and expand our staff and spread ge geographically, that there's something to be said for people saying, okay, these guys, this team, they've done it before. And so that helps I'm learning. And it helps me personally because when I encounter situations, whether it's tough decisions or fun decisions, there, there are parts of this that can seem familiar. Not everything is a retread. But in saying, hey, I've been here before, and I want to do it better than last time, or I did it just as good as last time. So there's something to be said for, for getting a chance, whether it's through entrepreneurship, whether it's, it's writing, whatever your thing is, that getting to do it again, I think, can be as equally or even more exciting sometimes. Do you ever have people who reach out to you uh, about investing in the businesses or working with the businesses or getting you to speak and do things and reference things that you've said before, written before, kind of content that you've put out to the world. Sure, yeah. Do you have any examples? <laughs> Anything that comes to mind? Yeah, um, yeah. You got forwarded around and then and then so people say, Oh, will you come speak on this? I may not have a whole speech on it. It might have just been a really brilliant epiphany, half-baked, that came out of my brain that I was like, that's worth <laughs> typing out. But it, if it gets you that inquiry through email or through a phone call, then you can share some of that and say, well, you know, what's really behind that is these three things that I know about leadership. And I do have a talk about that. And so I can definitely hit on this article that you like, that you think would be important for your audience when I talk to you or when I come meet with you and your company. But here's, here's some of the underlying things that can be a little more transcendent, for example. Another good example, you know, I write from time to time. I have a daughter. She's almost five now. And so she'll pop up in some of my writings on my website because obviously she's a big part of my life. And I may have something poignant to say because of an experience she and I had or something she taught me, but I have no speeches about parenting. Like I have no keynote talks about how to parent in any way, shape or form. And so if somebody were to say, oh, you, you wrote this thing. It's really meaningful. It's really good. Will you come speak at our parenting conference about how you parent a five-year-old daughter? I would probably be like, absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not will I do that. I can talk about community. I can talk about relationships. I can talk about risk. I can talk about a lot of other words. And stories about my daughter will factor into that as an object lesson. But I think that's what we want to be careful of. But hopefully people who have done the research understand that if they just read a, a story about that, that I've written 4% of the time, all writings are about that, that I have this other treasure chest of things that I do that I know better. 
And I think that that's one thing when as writers think about can I speak or vice versa. It's really finding that area that you know best. And there's so many extensions. There's so many offshoots of that. I mean, this year, yeah, I've spoken to college campuses. I have spoken to a group of educators. I've spoken to a group of funeral directors. I've spoken to a group of restaurant <laughs> managers. I mean, there's there's a lot of industries that my topics cross over, which can be exciting. Probably another really important thing in creating all of this content and all of the stuff that you've done is you do draw on all these different experiences and all these different opinions you have. But at the end of the day, you still know what your focuses are, what your strengths are, and the person that you want to be in representing your company and your brand and everything else. Uh, sure. Yeah. And, and that's something, obviously, I think my parents have been big on helping me understand that through the years and, and teaching me that mentors, teachers, people in the past. Absolutely. That's not anything. That's not something that I just came up with one day. <laughs> but understanding, again, those values that matter. And, and, and if we were to walk through stuff I've written in the past or what's in my book, Simplify Your Life or things that I talk about sometimes to walk through a process that helps you define your passions, your values, your talents, yours might be different than mine. And that's a okay. But what we want to do similarly is for you to focus on those things, for me to focus on my things, because then that helps us become the kind of person we really want to be. And we can live into the stories we want told about us or we want to tell about ourselves at some point. Well, and I think that seems to add to the authenticity that kind of really attracts people to you online is that you do know who you are. And while you are extremely knowledgeable on a number of different topics and kind of thought trains, you still at the end of the day, when people want to work with Sam Davidson, when people want to hire Sam Davidson, when people want to have you speak, they know what they're getting. I would hope so. I mean, yeah, honestly, sure. Because I think when you don't, then obviously that ends that line of work very quickly, whether <laughs> whether it's on stage or guest writing something or kind of maybe any job, maybe any job. If you don't, the person you thought you hired is not who shows up, then that can be uh, an issue. So, yeah, I, I would hope I can project that consistency. And I think that I don't know if it would be a trick, but the thing you want to keep in mind is that as your opinions change over time, one, one thing, one big disclaimer I always tell people when I, when I work with them or talk to them about the idea of passion, for example, I say, look, this is going to change and that's okay. I want to go ahead and, and tell you that what your passion is when you're 14 or 30, it could be different by the time you're 60 and that's okay. That's life. That's normal. And so I, I would hope though that even though people can get what they expect from me, they also know and I can be clear enough to say, you know what? My thoughts on this are a little bit different than they used to be. And that's okay, too. Well, speaking of thoughts that change and kind of giving your in-the-moment answers as they come, we're going to move on to the next part of this, which is a fun little game I like to play with people. Over the next two minutes, I'm going to ask you a series of either-or questions, and I want you to answer with the first thing that pops into your mind. Let's do it. We'll try to get through as many as we can in two minutes. Lightning round. I like it. <laughs> All right, so let's go. Pen or pencil? Pen. Mac or PC? Mac. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Night or morning? Morning. Good writing or correct writing? Ugh, good writing. Noise or silence? Noise. Lefty or righty? Righty. Weird or typical? Um, Weird. School or no school? No school. 
Outside or inside? Outside. Clean or messy? Clean. Teacher or student? Teacher. Town or city? City. Trains or planes? Planes. Skiing or surfing? Surfing? Fantasy or reality? Reality. Love or money? Love. Introverts or extroverts? Extroverts. Good content or good marketing? Good content. Smile or game face? Smile. Call or text? Text. Money or fame? Fame. Be older than you are now or younger than you are now? Older. Think before you talk or talk before you think? Think before you talk. Have a dragon or be a dragon? Be a dragon. Best-selling book or a million-dollar business? Business. What is one site online that you are loving right now? Uh, one site that's a new one is Brain Pickings, which I am late to the game, but BrainPickings.org is absolutely fantastic that I've discovered. It's brilliant by Maria Popola. It's great. Well, and in case you couldn't hear that in your ear, we have hit the end of the round. So thank you very much for playing. You bet. And thank you again for taking the time to join me today. Where can folks find your writing and business? Yeah, so check out samdavidson.net. That's where I, is kind of my, my online hub is where my blog is. So check that out. And my current business that I'm all in on is called Batch. So you can find us at batch.is, batch.is. And we are a monthly subscription and gift box service right now in four different cities. That is fantastic. And do you have any parting thoughts that you think people need to know about writing and business and kind of what you've learned that you want to save everyone else from doing? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Um, I I think a couple things. One, whatever you you dream of doing, do it. (laughs) Try it. I think trying it is the best way to learn what you love about it, what you hate about it, and what you need to do better next time. I think the other thing, particularly as it relates to speaking and writing, because I get this question a lot, is people who want to do that, either for a career or at least to some sort of acclaim or recognition. And what I always tell people is before you step on a stage, do something off of it that's worth talking about on it. And so if you're thinking of that you want to be a speaker, great. Then I want you to go find something first that you're passionate and knowledgeable at talking about. And so if that's being an entrepreneur, if it's being a parent, whatever that thing is, do that and do that really well first. And then the opportunities to speak or write will come after that. That is fantastic advice. Be an expert before you're asked to be an expert. Or at least something awfully close to. I like that. No, that's that was so. I'm gonna put that on a bumper sticker. That's so good. <laughs> we'll talk after the show. Figure that out. You got it. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Sam. You bet. Thanks for your time. You can find this episode's notes and resources at craftyourcontent.com/episode15, and the writer's rough draft full archive at craftyourcontent.com/podcast. If you want to talk more writing with me or just say hi, you can always catch me on Twitter at Alyssa Doucette. The show is produced and published by my outstanding content management team over at craftyourcontent.com. Thank you for listening on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or right off the site. If you love listening to writers talking about their writing path as much as I love talking to them about it, then please leave us a quick five-star review. 
Reviews and sharing your favorite episodes help me get the word out and get more people on the show. Thank you so much for listening to me geek out today about writing with Sam Davidson. Till I'm in your earbuds next Tuesday, go create your own compelling content and make some words sexy. For both of our defenses, for the past three years, I've lived on the other side of the planet from you. Allegedly.